Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Frolic, and I invite you to cozy up with me each week as I explore all aspects of the spiritual journey, spiritual biohacking, and expanding the mind beyond this reality. Remember that the collective awakening can start by planting one seed. So thanks for being such an amazing audience and sharing these shows with your family and friends. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode and find out what we're discovering today. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast, everyone. I hope you're having a great evening. Um, good. It's good to be back with you guys after last week. I am here with a very new guest, Shelby Paris, who is a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and author of five books, including um, the book called Change Your Subconscious to Accomplish. Shelby, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, I found you through Instagram uh, via the account Everything Aligns. And I guess uh, she's a good friend of yours. Yeah, that's my homie Kate. Yeah. Okay. Well, I follow her account and she's got some great stuff. And it's she's uh, she posted one of your posts and it was on triggers, which we're going to get into later. But um, yeah, I it was a really nice, refreshing uh, channel to find for you. And I'm excited to get into a lot of stuff here. It looks like, you know, you're only 24 years old, but you've been through quite a bit. <laughs> Life has been definitely fun, quite some experiences and definitely, I'll say the main turn and 180 of life happened within like a year and a half. And that all really took place between 19 to 20. 21 being the main pivotal, the, the climax of the change, I'll say. Okay. And so what exactly, let's get into this because you are very well-spoken. You have a great grounded delivery method in how you communicate to your audience. Have you always been like that? Has it always been easy for you to communicate your thoughts and uh, speak your mind? I would definitely say so. Ironically, I used to be, I definitely was very shy growing up. Definitely had the certain experiences that made me more comfortable and confident. And I do talk about it. I actually just finished my sixth book that's coming out March 10th, the day before my birthday. It's called Write My Pains Away. So happily, my first hardcover book, plus I have the paperbacks that's coming as well. But I just share a couple of stories in there, how I'll be in class. And it was, I was just a very quiet student, show up, get my work done. But there were certain things that would be like said or done where it was annoying to me and it triggered me because it's like, yo, you weren't paying attention to class the whole time. Now you have a question about the shit. You could have just been paying attention. So it's little things like that that would, that would cause an outburst for me just because it's like, yo, if you just pay attention, it's there. I feel like life is when I even feel like I literally say to change the subconscious and accomplish life is as hard as we make it to be or as easy as we allow it to be. And life is simple to me if we just allow it to be simple. And that's really just doing what we need to do so that we can get done what we need to get done. Why do you think people don't allow themselves to do what they need to do to get things done? We could say the matrix. We could say the system that we live in itself is knowing that the goal, the goal is pretty much to put, uh, pretty much to put people in a worker's mindset to be able to have the dominion over people. It's not allowing us to think for ourselves. A lot of people don't even know that there is documentation in certain patents on like the law of attraction. So the U.S. government literally knows these certain things that we ourselves 
are not as privy to. And it, if you could keep the control over people, keep people in a certain cycle. I mean, if you look at the school system, a lot of things we do, we've been in the same system for years. And if you keep people in this, in, in this maze, I'll say, in this maze and on this hamster wheel, they're going to keep doing the same thing, never see anything wrong with it because we're not exposing anything outside of it. So it's a lot of people just living in not even ignorance, but fear. Fear because yeah. once you step out of it now, I literally just said it in the book. I I just continue to go back and add things in. Like I, I need to just stop writing. But I just had a thought today where it's just the aspect of accountability. The reason why so many people defer accountability is because once you realize and are conscious of something now you're responsible for making the changes or allowing it to be what it is which then is the accountability aspect and a lot of people do not want that yeah yeah no it's true and it's interesting that you use fear there because i was thinking about fear today and fear is kind of that cage that you don't see around you and it's like if you think you're free you don't see that cage, you know, fear is that cage that you really don't see around you that's imprisoning you and imprisons many of us from living a life I think many of us wish to or want to or desire. Can you can you take us through a little bit of your younger years here? You've um, attempted suicide, you were addicted to painkillers, you've witnessed shootings, you've witnessed a murder. Um, you got hit by a car, you dropped out of college, like you've been through a lot, Shelby. Um, could you kind of go into this and, and before you start guys in the live chat, did, did this video start on, um, the original one or did it start a whole new video? Uh, if you guys are in, in the live chat, Christina, love, uh, could you drop this, uh, link in the other live chat if this one didn't if this is a new link, I don't know what happened there. But um, yeah, Shelby, please tell us because that is a lot of trauma. So, and again, this is happily, I'm super excited. This is my whole, my next book, right? My pains away is fully about being able to release all of this. But in terms of say adolescent aspect in the real young years, just realizing that I had depression at like eight years old, literally being in the car telling my mom, I feel happy, but like I feel fire inside of me and I feel this anger inside of me. So because she's kind of brushed it off, I went through the rest of my life just kind of brushing it off, just seeing and experiencing certain things, feeling like I got to act a certain way, taking on a certain thug and gangster persona, being born and raised in Jersey and just close to New York, just a lot of that influence of the music and the environment. And then just me and where I grew up in itself. Happily, I grew up in a beautiful, diverse suburb, but it was always a one foot in, one foot out ordeal in terms of, yeah, I happily came from a beautiful two-parent home, my siblings, my dog, but then right over here, I got the rest of these family members where I do have people that were drug addicts, people that were selling drugs, people that were just in and around certain environments, peers as well. That So that was just that aspect, you know, growing up questioning certain things, like why certain things are what it is. And then the main, the main change of life came when I was, 19. I was going to a Division II school in North Carolina. It's called Brevard College. I was playing ball down there. Originally went down there. I was playing for the JV team. So I was a non-scholarship player, technically considered a walk-on. End of the school year, my coaches wanted me to move up to the varsity team. And I say no, because I don't feel like I'm going to get a fair chance to play. So I figured, let me go home, go to a junior college for a year, see if the grass is greener on the other side, still try to get to a D1 school and play. At the end of that school year, I found out about Beach Week and down at Virginia Beach. So I went down there. It's about to be perfect. My girl at the time told me about it. 
my cousin was living down there, plus my brother was living down there. So it's about to knock out three birds with one stone. So I get down there, and the day I do, me and my brother about to go get something to eat. Everybody stops at is we're about to actually cross onto across a campus down there, a college campus. It was a three-way intersection. Everybody stopped. So I started walking across the crosswalk. I guess one driver looked right, he didn't look back left. So he shot out. I knew that it was two other dudes from my town who had just died from car-related deaths within the last couple months. I knew well, just going off that superstition of death coming in threes, I didn't want to be the third one. So I just knew if I was going to live, I had to go over the car. So I got hit, went over the car, cracked, dislocated my dominant arm, my right, my right side, not even realizing how much that was changing my life at the time. Fast forward from there. I come home one night from work. It's, I want to say June, if I'm not mistaken. It's around June. And I walk in the house and my mother told me that my grandmother just died. So that was big for me because I literally said, I'll go visit her later, chose to go to beach weekend instead of going to visit her, knowing that she was in a hospital. But obviously, you're not thinking that somebody's on their deathbed. So that had that instant regret, had another regret at the funeral because I said, I'll go visit her later instead of, uh, I'm sorry, now nah, I'll go visit her later. I was allowing the rest of the family to go up and I was assuming that they would call the immediate family up to see the casket before they closed it for the last time. They didn't do that at hers. So now I have the double regret to not seeing her last when she was alive and not seeing her last before they closed the casket. M moving forward from that, it's getting closer to the school year. I have a workout for the for the coach. Well, workout for the school I'm about to go to, the coach pulls me aside after the workout, says, I don't like you, remind me of a player I coached before, and me and him didn't get along. He did admit that it was wrong to tell me that. He said that he definitely shouldn't judge me off of that, but you know, I'm thinking I got to man up, and it's just a situation I got to go through, not thinking that I do have other options. Again, you know, I'm only 19 years old at the time, so I don't really know I don't really know better. I'm just thinking, okay, well, this is, you know, another asshole coach that I got to do. It is what it is. So commit to the school. Uh, eventually, I just, things just start going downhill. The school itself had like a dark cloud over me. It was a school that I already didn't want to be at. It's getting closer to the season itself. At this point, I'm going to work class. I'm getting up at 530 every morning, going to work class, practice, my game, back to work, whatever it was towards the end. At one point, I dislocated my shoulder in a bad play. I practiced again, and at, at that point, I said, everybody's career got to come to an end at one point. So I just gave up on basketball itself, especially the environment was bad with our coach cursing us out, kicking players out the gym, telling us, I don't want to fucking coach you guys. So it was things like that. You know, it just wasn't a healthy environment. I'm still grieving over my grandmother. And then January come, and I'm at Fridays. It's a Friday night. I get a call, and it's my girl telling me that my cousin just died. So I go to Facebook and Instagram. And I see that it's all true. He happily, it was natural, a natural death, I'll say. So he had was playing basketball, collapsed, already had heart complications, so couldn't even play when we were in high school. He was a year older than me. So he died after that. And I'm just dealing with the pressures of everything, failing classes, uh, struggling just to even speak up, not knowing what to do, uh, really not having the tools or at least the knowledge in terms of how to really help myself dealing with the things I was dealing with. Like I said, in terms of the, the addiction of painkillers, that wasn't necessarily an escape from what was going on, but that was always just sports related. Just a lot of injuries I have in my body, but nonetheless, I'm still taking, well, not still, I was taking three at a time, three, four times a day. So, you know, that's, that's wild. And popping three leaves or Tylenols at a time, multiple times a day. So I felt like I couldn't go about my day without it, but I'm on my way to my winter classes one night and I remember I'm just crying. The weight of the world just felt like it was on me. I closed my eyes to the gas. I said, fuck, if I live, I live. If I die, I die. 
got in an accident that night happily. Me and the me and the other driver got to walk away without injuries. And I say this all the time. It's like something stopped the car because I definitely never hit the uh, never hit the brake. So it's like something slowed the car down. It wasn't anything but a couple maybe scratches on the car itself, not even a dent or anything. So some type of spirit or something. It was it wasn't my time to go. That's the best way to put it. It wasn't my so, time to go. There was something that kept me there. So were you trying to attempt suicide then in the car? Like Yeah. I was the only reason why I was teetering and I share that in the book too. The only reason why I was teetering is just because uh, my little brother, my baby sister. My little brother is two years younger than me, my baby sister, she's seven now. So this was two what am I? I'm twenty four. So this was three years ago, four years ago. So she was three at the time. And the only reason why I didn't go a definite route is just because I knew I still wanted to be here to see them. And my main thing was I just wanted everything I was dealing with to be over. It wasn't necessarily a matter of not wanting to live, per se, but it was just the things I was dealing with. I definitely wanted to be done. And then definitely I could say in a sense going to the extreme, it was like if I'm dead, then I don't got to worry about none of this at all. So it just left it up the chance, walked away from that. Fast forwarding from that, I started cutting meat out of my diet. I was experiencing a complete mental change to myself, started getting introduced to these to these certain spiritual practices and different things. A lot of dead weight and people that were around me, I'll say, I was able to get away from, which a lot of people may not realize the certain energy people carry around them because we're just accustomed to being around that person or those people. So we don't know it. We don't even realize that they may be negatively impacting us and affecting our life. So after you know after getting away from those certain people i got back into the gym got back on the court for the first time since i was like five years old i had a six-pack for the first time in my life i was dunking consistently i had cut out meat at that time and keeping in contact with my coaches so happily never burning bridges i was able to stay in contact with my coaches they told me yo if you want to come back we got a spot for you no hesitation i went back to north carolina i finished out player of the week player of the month all conference all american awards and nominations i was second second in scoring, second in steals with my team. Just one of the top players on the team in general. That summer, I got to get two pro contracts. I already had the idea of writing my book that year. And then, you know, I know some of the things you brought up earlier. Those are things that also kind of happened more so in my younger years. I know the last night, put it like this, this is the night when I realized my whole mindset was definitely shifted. Uh, we were at a club one night. And long story short, my man's get hit in the head with a bottle. Me and my best friend run over to go help him and jump in a fight. We think it's going to be an even fight, maybe four on four, maybe six on six, six on ten at the most. Uh, one of the people from our school said we legit had four to six people around each of us. So we end up in like a six versus 30 brawl. Somebody gun fall out. He pick it up. As soon as he pick it up, he pointed at me. Then he shoot in the air. Somebody else grabbed their gun and shoot in the air to get everybody to clear out. Happily and luckily, it was somebody that I was fighting with. It was four football players from my school and me and my roommate, my best friend, as the two basketball players, you'll say. So the six of us holding our ground together. So happily, the people that did shoot was on our, our side at that time. So they got everybody to clear out. I got my two punched out that night. And the whole time in the car while we driving back to campus, I'm just having my hand under my mouth, blood dripping out my mouth and just laughing, saying it's going to be a great story to finally put in my, to put in my book. And then like a year later, Change of Subconscious and Accomplish was written. And I, sh I share that story in the book, too, because it talks about perseverance. And really seeing and realizing the the beauty the beauty and the experiences of life itself, you know, not even looking at that situation as a negative, it was just an experience. So yeah, and that all happened between nineteen, you could say, technically to twenty. I was technically still twenty. I was twenty one. I just turned twenty one in March, and our athlete banquet was in April. So that all happened in like two years. 
Wow. So all of that, a lot of that happened in two years. The, you experienced a lot of loss during that time. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. It's it's big. You know, I mean, I'm 43 and I haven't experienced that much loss. And I mean, thankfully, it that's a lot to take on. Um, 19, 20 years old in those kind of circumstances, you know, and it's interesting how life puts us on our path. You know, you're very spiritual as well. Do you think about the contracts you've made and what you've chosen to go through at such a young age in order to shape your path um, forward in how you, and what you're doing with it now? I take it as that something again that I talk about in the book is just saying that, you know, that word purpose, I don't even really like hearing it just because for me, I'm thinking that I'm going to be six foot six. I'm going to go play in the NBA. Like I'm thinking that my purpose, I'm supposed to be this professional basketball player. So it was always discouraging to me when people would ask me or say, yo, how'd you find your purpose? Or, oh, how does it feel being on your purpose and just being in line with certain things? But it hit a point where I just really appreciate it. Like with that book, I have a joint project that's also releasing. It's called an owl book. Uh, happily, I um, it's looking like, for my birthday, I'm probably going to do it, but I got a contract from Sony, so I'll be the first audiobook author to sign to a, a music label, so that would be really cool, but I, my last track in that is called Purpose, and it's me sharing that aspect and saying, like, you know, I, I'm thinking I was going to be doing this, my life took me this way, and the main thing was just acceptance, how I look at it. You could have the job that you apply for is not always the job that you get. So for me, you know, the job that I'm thinking I'm going to be working is something completely different than what it seemed like my job ended up being in terms of the universal aspect. I guess I had not even I guess, but there was a certain purpose and certain role for me to fill. And now it's just literally me filling. I say it on my lives all the time. I'm just playing a role in other people's manifest. Shelby lived his life. I'm done. My life was playing ball. I got to accomplish and do everything I wanted to do. Now I got all these resources literally for this to help somebody, to help the next person. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You okay? You talk about that idea of um, how how you people okay? <laughs> how do we get into this? You put up a post. The post that I found you on was your triggers post when you talked about triggers and um, I guess how fa- did you call it how Father Universe speaks to us? Father Is that- Universe, yeah, yeah. And you talked about how someone manifested that trigger through you um, to either receive or not receive it. Uh, th- that's up to them. But le- let's let's get into that because that's fascinating. And I love your wisdom at 24 when it comes to triggers, because the most I think for us, for humanity, one of the most important parts of our purpose here is healing. And so that we aren't constantly being triggered by all of these little things that um, prevent us from taking ownership over our own destiny, our own life. So you Mm -hmm. said something really interesting. Uh, People, I guess, were making you a scapegoat for like whatever you may say, whatever it is you may post. And you said it's not your fault that the person wasn't receptive to your message. Basically, you said, I'm not at fault for you not being receptive because you didn't want to receive it. And I think that's really powerful. Because people don't even really realize that the reason why they're not receptive to stuff is because they're not willing to receive it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with it. But 
to receive something and able to assimilate it, digest it, understand it is really important. So can you kind of talk about the importance of people taking ownership over their own emotions? It's one of the greatest things I've been studying. So even this, uh, I actually, which is ironic, and I shared this story in the epilogue and then my um, Change of Subconscious and Accomplished book. So I dropped out of, I did my four years of college. I dropped out with a 3.2, just with transferring to certain things, just certain credits and stuff. But in school and autonomously, I've been studying psychology for going on nine years now, sociology for eight, and the science called epigenetics for going on six years now. So I've always been a fan and have studied deep into the mind. The main thing is connecting science and spirituality to teach people how to rewire the mind. So when you get into the psychological aspect and a certain cognitive dissonance that hits people, for a lot of people, just because within these this age of zero to 10 during that theta state, you're programmed to believe and think and do things a certain way. So now you take just how somebody's foundation literally is made, these certain subjective truths that they have. And then you have, like I said in the video, Father Universe that is telling you these certain things, but because it's not what you want to hear, you're not going to listen and you're not going to accept it. So one of the main things that I do, my whole page is about rewiring the subconscious mind and teaching people, yo, you have to be objective. None of this is personal and it's not an emotional, it's not a, you can't have an emotional reaction. Just simple as that. You can't have an emotional reaction is realizing that the universe is not even trying to go against you. The universe is trying to help you, but it's different lessons and different experiences that are going to be presented to you at the different times because that's what's needed at the time. I do talk about it in the newest book. Life itself is so many pop quizzes and these certain benchmarks that it's a benchmark. It's a benchmark. It's that initial test to see where we're at already. You might pass, you might fail. Doesn't really matter. The point is to see where you're at. So you see where you need to develop. And I have a lot of people that may come through my page and follow me. I have a post that I recycle that post probably once a month. We're saying, yo, I'm not one of those happy, positive, super. I'm not one of those happy, positive, spiritual pages. I'm objective. I'm just saying what it is. And however you receive it is how you receive it. But I'm not here to steer you in any direction. I'm not here to convince you of anything. Hey, this is information that's studied and that's proven from the spiritual aspect. This is stuff that's proven from a psychological aspect. I'm just giving you the information and you're at will to do whatever. Yeah, it's um, th there's a lot there. I think it's important because I think a lot of people use positivity to spiritually bypass uh, their lessons and their own traumas and pains, uh, not to deal with it, not to take, like we said, ownership over it so that they can rise above it. And also the rewiring of the subconscious. Are you a big fan of like Joe Dispenza or Lipton? Because you talked about epigenetics and. Yeah, that's where I. I found out about Bruce Lipton when I thought that I like discovered something new and then I typed it in and then boom, here came a Bruce Lipton video. I was like, oh, okay, so this is what it is that I teach people. And then from there, I just dove deep into it as much as I could find on, as much as I could research with it. So definitely, definitely a big fan of Bruce Lipton, big fan of Joe Dispenza too, but mainly Bruce Lipton in terms of being like the founder of epigenetics. Yeah. So when you, okay, so in order to obviously teach something, you have to go through it uh, or experience it usually in order to have like a really authentic description or, or message as a teacher. I feel like we have to go through a lot of the experiences ourselves. Mm -hmm. Did you have a specific moment where you really realized that you were allowing your triggers to control you and your response to life? And, how did, and then how did you change it? I... 
other than like video games when I was young, I didn't have a lot of things. You know, just being a kid, you would have certain emotional reactions to it. Once I got to high school, something that in an indirect aspect, you could say, but just being conscious enough to pick up on what my teacher had told me. And it was mainly me writing essays and her saying, hey, when you write your essay, don't pick the subject that you like the most. Go with what has the most information. And from there, I just constantly applied that with me to life, which allowed me to be objective with things where I never looked at something that I may personally like. I'll go with whatever has the most information that has the most the most that's proven behind it. Is it's just taking it another step. It's not even just you can find a bunch of information on something that could be all lies, and then this could have technically less information, but it's more accurate or this is accurate. This might be coming from a dot gov or this is coming from like a dot com, things like that. So her telling me that from there, the rest of my life, and that was my sophomore year of high school. So I'm 16 at that time. The rest of my life was really just okay. Everything is just happening. Eventually, it was me getting away from religion and realizing that I do have a control over what, over what's going on. And once I really realized that, it was full accountability, which, you know, on the positive or greater positive side of that, whatever, it's the credit. You get the full credit for the things that you accomplish. So realizing that and being somebody that, again, played sports my whole life being in the spotlight and played in arenas and stuff. So being uh, comfortable, I love being in front of the camera, I'm very comfortable in front of the camera. I feel like I had a camera in my face, like from my baby videos, obviously when I was born, but I was playing, singing, joking in front of the camera since I was one years old, like <laughs> trying to perform in front of the camera. So I have a comfortability in front of a crowd, but the main thing I'm getting at is just being able to be objective with everything, not letting mm -hmm. things necessarily get to you, being able to accept what it is, and again, it's just it's not manipulating anything. That's one thing that people got to realize when you try to when you try to comprehend something from your side, you manipulate it because you don't leave it in its original context. When it comes to communication, you have to comprehend something from the side of the messenger. You have to comprehend it from that other side. That's how you're going to actually get it. So once I realized, again, just more of those aspects of things. Life just became so simple and it's just never, you know, never caught up in anything. Yeah, it's it's like uh I find that the simpler, the better, because it's easy to grasp and it's easy to um, activate, like to execute. You do a lot of work, like you, you've talked about how you are wanting to help motivate, I guess, black youth, specifically um, the masculine men uh, and boys. What do you find is the greatest challenge for um, the, the youth right now as men? I can say this coming from obviously, but coming from like black culture for a lot of us, it's just not educated on the ways that we can do these certain things. At the end of the day, everybody wants to feel comfortable. And the reality is in this 3d world, comfortability is financial. As long as you have the money, you're going to be in a comfortable position. And I know just where I'm from and a lot of people that I grew up around and seen and that certain that generation, they just want to they just want the nice thing. They just want to live comfortable. That's the best way to put it. They want to live comfortable. But it's one of those things where when you're not being taught or told how to live comfortable, how to obtain these certain things and these things that you're seeing when nobody's telling you that you can actually achieve these certain things, then you're going you're going to be angry. You're going to be frustrated because you're not living in your higher purpose. You're not actually satisfying self. You're just doing things from the ego, which is not even you. You're doing things from what other people are putting on you or telling you you should do so. Obviously, you're not going to be happy. You're not satisfying your individual self, plus you're not satisfying your higher self. That was one of the reasons why I had to go get the Porsche. 
I got my Porsche when I was 22. And that was more of an aspect of one, I could manifest it. But two, I needed something to be able to show to you, like, yo, I can do this too. And my main mission is showing, showing the young kids, yo, it's more to life than sports, streets, and music like you have other talents that you can develop and that's what i was able to do with the class that i was able to do in terms of being an educator or public speaker there's all those certain things but the main thing is uh resourcing an example is really showing the youth not just telling them but you have to actually show them mm -hmm. and then after you show them guide them educate them teach them how they can do it teach them how to fish yeah absolutely um how do what is the um I'm curious, what do you find is that point where everything shifts? Like, is there something that you've noticed along you working on, on this path to help them? Like, what is it that where it finally clicks and they get it and it all makes sense? And there's kind of this, it's almost like they're showing up differently and they're able to move forward um, in a different way than, like, you know, whatever may have been resisting them before. When you shut up and submit, that's the best way I could put it. Because for me, one of my favorite things that I say in the book was, nah, I think the way I think and see things the way I do because Shelby was wrong. Shelby failed. Shelby wasn't right. Shelby wasn't as good as he thought he was. Shelby wasn't as nice as he thought he was. And once I allowed that to be, say, the humbling experience that it was supposed to be and allowed me to get knocked down and submitting to the fact that, okay, I just got hit, I obviously have to do something different if I don't want to get hit again. That's when I was able to start taking the lessons and be more open and receptive to what was going on. Happily, I credit my gullibleness, just always being a fairly gullible person, that it allowed me to learn things. And then my naivety, I was a credit to the fact that I was always protected in a sense, just not really knowing or realizing certain situations. But it's, you know, being being a true individual, you know, being being who you are. I never felt like I had to try to. Well, no, I can't say that. That'd be false. Once I grew out of feeling like I had to try to act like other things, and then again, the main aspect was submit. Once I submit to myself and submit to the universe, submit to what was happening, what was going on, and then realize it's the three A's, appreciate, accept, and event. Once I realized that, it was like, all right, we're, you know, the situations that are happening are happening for a reason. Living in that mindset of paranoia, knowing that everything is happening for me. Accepting that, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, appreciate, accepting it and appreciating the fact that, okay, this just taught me something. So now I can move forward. Now I can advance. And once I realized that again, I'll tell anybody the main thing is submit. Once you just submit to what's going on, submit to the universe, submit and stop trying to be in control of things. You're going to start to allow self to take over. It's like you let the autopilot take over. You put yourself in that auto drive. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about that feminine energy, the surrendering, like no longer trying to definitely be in the driver's seat, so to speak, of um, like the ego letting, allowing the ego to be in the driver's seat. So that's really cool. I think, you know, what you just said there, the appreciate, it's so important because I find gratitude is the state of being that we need to be in in order to shift our, our complete experience. It allows us to shift the timeline. It allows us to shift everything because that state of gratitude is almost like a zero point field and that idea of acceptance too man i was a stubborn stubborn girl growing up uh i always needed to be in control everything had to be my way and i thought i knew best and um i was a micromanager if i ever was in team projects like in school and stuff i was probably annoying as fuck to work with and 
I had to really realize the power behind letting go and not having to have it all figured out and not having to have all the answers and to just go with the flow. And that's where all the magic really starts to happen. Definitely. Yeah. So let's get into cognitive dissonance. (laughs) (laughs) It's the greatest thing ever. I hate it. I deal with it every day. Yes, let's get into it. How do you help people recognize that they're in cognitive dissonance? Because it's a very interesting state of mind. Uh, It's annoying. I don't, the main thing, I don't convince people. At one point, I used to get really mad and frustrated about it, not because of them, but because it was one of those things, like, I'm trying to help you, but you won't allow me to help you. I'm trying to give you this information and provide you with these resources because I see more and better of you, and I want you to realize that. But even just if we're speaking a universal language, for me wanting something and then me trying to take control, me trying to force something, you know, those were three things that already was going to drive somebody away from me. But when it comes to cognitive dissonance, like it's, it used to happen, I'll say, it used to happen on my Instagram page a lot. And then I had to even put myself in a different energy space. And it's knowing that whenever I get all these complaints and all this pushback, it's usually because I myself am not in the right state, whether it was uh, indirect, no, well, not even whether, usually an indirect thing, but knowing like, all right, you know what, hold on, I probably ain't eat enough fruits, enough vegetables, I ain't been outside enough, I haven't done enough spiritual things that I need to do to make sure I was good. Now I'm dealing with this bullshit that I don't feel like handling. But the main thing for me, I don't try to convince anybody. I know that I can state what it is for me to state. I always tell people, yo, we could go on live and have this face-to-face or as close to face-to-face conversation as possible. I'd be happy for us to actually communicate. But even with communicating, now it's those three C's and everything is a trifecta, but those three C's. Most people, when they speak on communication, they're just saying that, hey, I want to be heard. So now we talk about, okay, people will communicate. Now it's a matter of comprehension, which we see these posts on Instagram where they say, oh, you got to communicate. Then we see these posts on Instagram saying you have to comprehend. Then something that I realized a lot of people do comprehend what's being said, regardless of the tone, regardless of, well, I say the noise and the noise itself being the tone itself, the words that were used, the language even spoken in. Regardless of that, a lot of people are able to comprehend what's being said, but they don't want to accept it. Again, that's that ego aspect. And the last part is um, compromise, compromise. You have to be able to compromise. And that's what I notice a lot of people don't do. They don't want to come to or find a common ground because a lot of people are, they are stubborn. And to me, I just credit it to ignorance. A lot of people are stubborn just because they don't realize or know that there is another way to get to a certain solution. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's also partly fear? 100 percent fear it's only two true emotions and that's love and fear and that's mm-hmm. the basis of changing subconscious and accomplishing is telling people that so it's it's fear of the unknown and which yeah. is you know it's it's what's expected it's what's expected we all experience it we all do it it's just bringing that word to fruit bringing that unknown unknown into the known unknown and then moving in love and consistently stepping forward i <laughs> my proofreader when she was reading through my book and she read one of my parts where the book itself is set up like a therapy session. So I'm talking to myself as a therapist, then responding back to the therapist. So she had one part, or I had one part in there where I, I do ask myself, what is your greatest fear? And my favorite quote is Marianne Williamson's, our deepest fear. So it was literally saying, it's not that we are inadequate, but that we're powerful beyond measure. And it's really realizing that I'm more powerful than what I realize. I'm scared of success. At the same time, I continue to move forward. You know, the same way that I would be timid 
walking through an arena, have those jitters walking through the arena, the game about to start. It's 15,000 people around and you hearing everybody's voice around you and it's an away game. I still went out and played and I still had fun and I still embraced it. And again, that's the acceptance aspect. So when it comes to the cognitive dissonance thing and trying to get people to realize, again, I don't try to convince anybody. The best I could do is offer these offer these pathways that if you want to have this conversation, if you want to communicate, comprehend and compromise, then we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting to have conversations of higher awareness with people, um, who are very locked into the matrix. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's interesting. I try to use the word interesting because it is actually very interesting. Sometimes when you sit back and you observe it in real time, you're like, wow, this is how it really works. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like they really give you this opportunity to witness that and know that you've been there before and you'll probably be there again at some point in your life on something else. Uh, but it's incredible how powerful the mind is in structuring our reality in the way it was programmed from those younger years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It takes a lot to overcome a lot of that. So <sighs> I'm curious, how deep into going beyond the matrix have you gotten? I've been in depth before, and that was really cool. And I got to sit with certain leaders and certain figures, um, just being able to experience and sit in the room. I share that story in that book, too. I was I was going through this meditation practice, and I finished reading Think and Grow Rich, where it talked about channeling these certain people, being able to tap into these certain people. I had outer body experiences before. I did past life readings before. And this experience itself was really something different, where I was completely away from my body and I was completely gone. And I remember I'm in a room, the room itself was, it had brown walls, a brown kind of wooden table, green lights around. Like it, I remember a picture that I even seen like this room of before. And I'm in this room with people like Gandhi, this figure of Jesus. I'm with like Malcolm X, Buddha. Uh, I forgot who else. It was a couple other icons and leaders there, but it was, and I'm just kind of there, but it felt right. And it felt like nirvana. Everything just felt so peaceful. Uh, it felt right in the aspect of like I was supposed to be here. It didn't feel like I'm sitting in this room of people that I'm not supposed to be around. And it felt like it just it felt comfortable. It felt really, really comfortable. I, like I really can't say anything more than just it just felt right. And I remember just the things that they told me, the things that we got to talk about. And then from there, me asking like, well, the main thing or the last question I really had was like, so does that mean I'm going to be assassinated like y'all? And they just kind of laughed. And I remember just kind of coming back to my body. So that was mad crazy to me to experience that. But from there, you know, having a Kundalini awakening, realizing and seeing things. Being what was a your Pisces, Kundalini awakening like? Uh, how did that work for you? Because it's different for a lot of people. I'm curious. I was in meditation and I, I started meditating probably like 930 I came out of the meditation at like two, three a.m. Just sitting there and didn't even realize it. It was in, I was sitting in my dorm room at college. I first, I say, kind of got introduced to it. I think I read a book on it. I read a book that talked about it, and then I'm seeing videos about it. So it's one of those things where it's like it kept 
pulling me towards it. And then eventually I'm in my dorm room, I'm meditating, I'm feeling crazy vibes going through me. It's like feeling like the DNA and everything just spiraling. The Uris, Ureus, however, U-R-E-A-U-S, whatever it's pronounced, however it's pronounced. But I'm like feeling that energy. It's like everything is just kind of spinning and vibrating. It felt crazy, a feeling I never have felt before. And then like I thought I was meditating for like 10, 15 minutes. It was crazy powerful. I remember I came out of that like sitting in front of my bed, mad, dizzy, trying to stand up. I lay down, I wake up, still kind of dazed, close my eyes again, and I wake back up again, and everything just seemed different. It's like I was really in a different world, and everything just seemed natural. And that's when it was, I guess, me being really open to this certain occult information. And now at that point, it was like a lot of things was just coming to me, even things that I don't, honestly, I don't read a lot. So it was like things that was just coming to me. Then when I would go read a book, it's like, oh, I already noticed. Or it's like, this is telling me something that I already knew. I already felt, already was thinking. And it, it was it was crazy. It felt like, it really felt like I was in a different universe or really hopped into a parallel universe. Yeah, you were getting downloads. A lot of them. Yeah. Wow, that's intense. I totally under, I know what that feeling's like where you think you're only meditating for a few minutes and a large chunk of time has gone by. That is only, well, it's only happened to me once where I knew I was out of my body and, uh, well, I just didn't feel like any physical presence around, like I didn't feel physical anymore. And it's, it's really wild to basically have all time and space fall away and all that's left is just your energy and it's a really cool feeling because you've talked about this. I, I was just so accepting of my reality in that moment. I'm like, everything's perfect. I don't need to change anything. And it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's not a high state bliss feeling. It's just contentment. It's like, cool. This is, this is good. <laughs> and that was, it's interesting because for me, that something happened in that experience that shifted my entire mind in how I saw reality from that point forward. I was like I said, I was very rigid. I was very inflexible. Um, everything had to be my way or the highway. And from that point on, it's like all of a sudden I was willing to start getting comfortable with things I was really uncomfortable with. Living in that submission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> it, was a, it was a super peaceful experience. I'll talk about that. This my Change of Subconscious and Accomplished book is actually a three-book series where that second one with Unavoidable Truths, I talk about the Kundalini experience. This is 30. This book is actually 127 pages. All, my, all these books have numerology, so 127 pages. For those that want to put that number together, this one being 33 pages. And then this one being, what is it, 100? I'm sorry, this book is 117 pages. This one's 127 pages. So nine in terms of bringing you into life 33 that book talks about life death reincarnation kundalini mastering sexual energy activating a full brain oneness the purgatory state quantum leap in parallel universes the outer body experience i'll talk about all of that and just the 33 pages and then with the last book the 127 pages bring you to that life number one where it's just giving you that new life once you go through the trilogy now you have this new life with manifesting affirmations which is teaching you tools to manifest but man i got all those in one complete text it was to make yeah. it cheaper for people instead of trying to buy all three books individually it's just the one complete text as well but 
I just shared the experiences in that where it was like, once I went through it, it was like, it was almost like I was a step ahead of certain things. And I say in this book, you're not in the wrong mindset. You're, or you're not in the wrong generation. You're in the wrong mindset. It's a lot of people who feel like they're above people for whatever reason, where it's like, all right, where are you? You feel like that. How? Educate me. Teach me. Go, go give back to people. Educate them. Give them this information that you so-called have. Hey, what evidence do you have of this? How can you contribute? How can you be purposeful to everybody else? So it was just, you know, applying it. I have a saying, preach what you practice. I only tell people the things that I already experienced. Like you said, going through the experiences before, I only tell people I already experienced. And it's mad cool with those books because it's the answer is already there for people. It's like I'm a step mm-hmm. ahead of people for people is the best way to put it. Okay. So if you've already experienced everything that you're preaching, I'm curious, you did mention mastering sexual energy. So, you know, what have you learned with that? And what have you discovered through all of that? Because it's a really sacred energy that has been um, distorted. It's been distorted. I don't know. That's uh, What did you say? um, Doctrine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, so I have a 30 day spiritual elevation, which is literally and when I like when I got my Porsche, it actually 30 days of declaring I would have it. I was able to get it. And I made that e-guide because I wanted other people to be able to do the same. And I actually had a test group initially to see what would happen. Sixty dollars was the consistent manifest for all those people, which was mad cool. Like I had 10 people who were all just randomly manifesting sixty dollars people getting dream jobs of jobs they never even applied for somebody just finding a resume. So it was cool to witness and have the results and hear people's testimonies. But, and I bring that up because in that I do talk about Tantra sex and how to go about it, how to actually have Tantra sex. And again, in this book itself, where I do talk about the masculine sexual energy and, and in simplest terms, we've been miseducated on sexual energy and we've only been taught one side in terms of, abstinence and refraining from sexual energy but we weren't taught well most of us weren't taught or educated on the fact that you you have to transmute that energy if you just hold it it's being wasted it's not a matter of leaving that energy dormant but i want to take this energy that's created in my sacral and i want to send it to my other chakras i want to send it and use it so that i could be manifesting these certain things the sexual energy is just creative energy so it's realizing and knowing that when i do have sex yes i could have for pleasure and that pleasure itself could put me in this mind state, it will raise my endorphins, raise my dopamine levels that I'm able to be in this positive state and manifesting things energetically. But when I do even have sex with somebody else, if we're both on the same page, we could take this cosmic energy and take this and be manifesting for ourselves individually, where the irony with sex, especially when it comes to a Tantra aspect, where it's not about sexually or physically satisfying the other person, it's about both you guys being able to come together work together to say, hey, we're able to manifest together, taking that cosmic energy that you both were able to put into the atmosphere, the completion in terms of masculine and feminine energy. And now you're both able to be manifesting these certain things with it in terms of partnership, where you can also do uh, tantra masturbation in terms of tantra sex activities as well. So it's just something like, like you said, we're not really educated on it. It's a lot of distorted information. But once you actually learn how to use it, learn the power of it, simplest put, it's just your creative energy. It's your sacral. It's your creative energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to that to that point, I find that um, the sexual union of the two energies of two people coming together 
uh, is one of the most powerful manifestation energies. It's literally creation. It's how it happens. So using that to um, your advantage, I think is something schools really missed the boat on. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to appreciate. And um, like you said, utilizing the sacral, the root um, energies to like a divine purpose or a higher good that I, from what I've experienced, it's completely different. It's completely different. And um, it just kind of blows everything out of the water. So it's, it's interesting to, to hear your take. I really, I'm really enjoying this conversation because you're 24 and when I think back to when I was 24, I had zero concept of any of this stuff. Uh, you know, like I just very unfortunately when I was 24, I was drinking a lot. I was going to the nightclubs. I was a bartender. And um, it's it's so it gives me a lot of hope for the youth in like just seeing people really step into their power more at a younger age. This world really needs that. And uh, you should be really proud of yourself. You've overcome so much. Thank you. I was having a conversation with one of my friends a couple of days ago because uh, I just don't really look at these certain things. I'm, I'm looking forward. It's always looking forward with things. And I was having a conversation with him because he told me that he didn't even know that, that my father was sick when he was sick. And he was in and out of the hospital like all, all 2020 with just different things happening from COVID, surgeries. And, you know, just other sicknesses and certain things happening. So it was, he would ask me, how's he doing? I would always tell him like, oh, where he's doing good or something. Be, it was because I was seeing him, like I knew he was in the hospital, but I'm seeing him get better every day and I'm seeing him be able to progress. So it's just always seeing things and looking forward. It wasn't even a matter of, cause he brought up me being optimistic. And it was funny cause I'm like, well, I wasn't even necessarily trying to be optimistic. I definitely was, but I wasn't even trying to be optimistic. It was literally just happily seeing the reality and that reality was of the progression so for me it's like a lot of people hear my story hear, hear these certain things and i'm like man honestly it, it don't even phase me and it was, it was funny writing this book because again the book being like write my pains away it was still the fact that and i'm talking about experiences but i don't feel i don't have the certain emotions to it as i did when i was going through it, it was it was fun to, to write excuse me it was fun to write and then read back through and edit because this is just like, wow, like, I guess I did like go through it. Like, this is my life. So it's, it's mad fun. It's mad cool. Definitely teared up and was and cried some doing that. And then I have an album project, that audiobook album project. That's 11 tracks. That's about an hour long telling those stories, but in a condensed aspect. And that's releasing the same day. I even have a bundle that's the hardcover of the book, which is going to be the, with pictures in it, colored pictures in it as well. So I have the hardcover of the book, plus the the collector CD, the poster, and I'm trying to think. I feel like it's something else that comes with it. You get yeah, and then you get the um the deluxe version of the album book as well, and that's called Maybe This Will Help Me. So this whole project, the whole concept of it was again me in this therapy session, responding to the therapist and just opening yeah. up and expressing and sharing everything. So it's definitely something when I listen to it, I cry. I probably won't listen to it ever again. Like after I kind of put it out and like I have to just because it is, it does hit me very hard, but it's just one of those things where it's like, wow. Like, you know, when I do step away from myself and it's like, just kind of looking at it, 
it's like, wow, it is, it is cool. It is cool. I talk about that in the Change of Subconscious Accomplished book. Take yourself outside your body and then look at yourself. Ask people how they perceive you, how they see you as, and you'll be amazed at the answers that you get with the people who really love you and the ones who don't like you as much as you felt like mm-hmm. they did. So to, as myself, to be able to step back and read this story about myself, it's like, wow. Do you find that because you've now written it or and also you, you've done Audible so you can listen to it, uh, that you, you get even more from it than just the writing aspect? Like, um, like when you go to read it again or listen to it, do you not feel like there's more that clicks that didn't click before? I don't know. I feel like that with other things that I read and other things that I watch, but because this is coming from me and I know every detail and every aspect of it, but I've definitely have things that I 100% everything, everything else I feel that way about where I'm always noticing something new with it. But I know with this, the book itself really was just supposed to be my quotes and things that I put on Twitter, how I look at it no need to waste breath or waste words where again, I don't even like talking unless I really have to. So like today, I, I don't, I barely talk like all day until like it was time for us to talk. Cause it was just, you know, I'm chilling. I, I don't necessarily feel a need to, and I, you know, I spend my day door dashing and just being by myself for the most part. And, you know, when, once my siblings are done with their school stuff or whatever, you know, I might chill with them, but for the most part, you know, I'm just chilling, but it's, um, it's just funny going through the stuff, experiencing the things, realizing and seeing what's going on, being able to step away from the world, witness it in a sense of coming from other eyes. And it's amazing. It's mad cool. It's mad cool to see, to experience. I know I said it in the book, man, I'm just, I, I, I never thought about writing. I never thought about writing books. It was never a goal of mine. I never grew up saying I'm a write books. I got to sell publishing class. And when I teach that, I'm always amazed by and inspired by people who wanted to write their whole life. For me, I tell people, identify your three greatest assets in a business sense. For me, I'm articulate, I'm a creative person, and I'm a disciplined person. I've been doing graphic design since I was eight years old. Well, I learned how to use Photoshop when I was eight years old. So cover to cover, I did all my books myself. It was just having this knowledge of information and then in the articulation aspect and being told by teachers and professors, yo, go into a career of speaking, go into a career of writing. I listened to him. I submitted to it. So mm-hmm. I went and did that. So writing my first couple of books, it was just like, wow. Like, I, you know, it was just kind of writing it, but it doesn't hold the weight to me or feel like this does. Now it's looking at this like, you know, this is my, like, I literally just wrote my life of where I'm at and what's happened so far. So it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like I'm internally kind of crying right now, but it's like, I always, I definitely always feel it when I think about it. Yeah. Well, you've accomplished a lot at 24, I have to say. And with the amount of books you've written so far at 24, man, by the time you're like 50, you're going to have like your own library. <laughs> and this just happened. I, I like, they just happen. I, I don't have like a set schedule. Like I got to write at this time and I'm trying yeah. to write. Like I said, the book, the book was just tweet. It was literally just tweet. And like I said before, in terms of things being quotable, it was like, yo, I just know. I love how those, honestly, this is where it all stemmed from. I love how those memes on the gram look when it's somebody's picture or somebody's quote. And I just always like, yo, I love that. I want to be quoted too. So it's always just looking at life. Like we don't have to wait for anybody. We do have the resources at our disposal to be able to use. So 
I say it in this book, the universe is clutch. You know, I always had everything right in front of me. It was just a matter of realizing that and using it. So I just started making these quotes. And now I just, I love Twitter. Twitter is the main thing to follow me. I love just tweeting shit. But so it's just tweeting things. And then eventually, like I said, it turned into the book. So it's a lot of gems in that book mixed in. It's, it's a lot of gems. I'm trying to think the best way to put it. It is my story. My story is like 70 65% of it for sure, 70% of it for sure, but it's all gems, all lessons, all things that I'm directly saying, like, hey, this is a lesson I learned. Like, everything we talked about tonight literally is something I put in mainly the new book, but in all the books in general, but mainly the new book. Like, I literally, it's just taking these tweets and literally, like, copied and pasted them over there and then, like, wrote other stuff around them. So, it was, it's kind of funny. And it go, and that all goes back to your whole thing of, life just needs to be simple you know it is. everything you don't have is connected to, yeah you don't have to make it complicated you just took like your tweets that you you know and and collaborated them into a book and i think that's amazing and i think that's one of the obstacles that a lot of people you're right a lot of op people make it harder in their head than it actually has to be so i think that's a really um great point to make well it's been such a pleasure having you on the show shelby when again does your book come out when does it drop the book comes out March 10th, so I'm three weeks away as okay. of tomorrow. Three weeks away or two weeks away as of tomorrow. I don't know what today is. Two weeks away as of tomorrow, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I got mad interviews and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm enjoying it. And again, for anybody that's taking my self-publishing class, we do talk about going through these certain rollouts. And this is the first time I'm doing this. You know, for me, this also was an example of an opportunity for me to be an example of everything I tell and teach in the self-publishing class because I didn't do it to this extent and and like this with my other books my other books were kind of just like yo I'm finished it let's go ahead put it out hey let's start marketing from there so it's, it's really cool this is the first time experience for me to be doing all these things that I'm doing right now college tours these zoom calls podcasts going back on tv again Friday so it's just mad cool it's my first time doing like a full pre-release thing and not just put a book out and try to market it. So I'm having a lot of fun. But yeah, March 10th, March 10th. Good. I'm glad you're having a lot of fun. And uh, you're making a lot of success through all that fun. That's Thank definitely you. that's definitely part of it. So thanks so much for um, coming on the show to everyone. Uh, links for Shelby will be in the description. I will fix the title and all that. I don't know what YouTube did uh, when we went live, but I'm going to fix all of that as soon as we get off the air. Thanks, guys, for being here, and uh, I will be back with you guys next week. Thanks for listening and being such a supportive audience. All video episodes can now be found on my personal YouTube channel, Nicole Frolic. If you would like to further support the show, you can visit my merchandise shop or send any donations to the PayPal link in the description below. Remember, a mind is like a parachute. Unless it's open, it's useless. So keep joining me each week as I continue to expand the mind and explore life beyond this reality.